automotive manufacturers really like to tell consumers what they want, what's going to be interesting is if the automotive consumer is going to say, is going to go along with that. Because there's no doubt in terms of how much the technology is going to improve and how much more vehicles will be out there and how many more options there'll be for electric vehicles. But is the consumer going to go, that's great, I still want to keep my gas using my gas-fueled vehicle, or are they going to go along with it? This is Swarfcast. I'm Noah Graff, and I'm here with my co-host, Lloyd Graff. Today, we're talking electric cars and 3D printers. Our guest is Jeff Ranke, Editorial Director of Industrial Equipment News and contributor to ThomasNet. Today's podcast is brought to you by Graf Pinkert. Looking for a screw machine, rotary transfer machine, or CNC machine? Graf Pinkert's got you covered. When you're buying any used machine, you're taking a risk. So it's important to buy from someone who knows their stuff and who is going to give you straight information about what you're buying. Graf Pinkert is a family-owned firm that's been dedicated to selling great machine tools to the turn parts industry for 75 years. It specializes in the top multi-spindle brands, including Index, Schutte, Gildemeister, Tornos, ZPS, Acme, and Wickman. They also sell a variety of other types of used equipment, such as CNC Swiss, CNC turning centers, and parts washers. Machine tools are complicated. If you're going to buy one, you should go to people who are knowledgeable and committed to the industry. Learn more at www.graffpinkert.com. That's www.graffpinkert.com. Welcome to the podcast, Jeff. Thanks for having me, guys. Okay, Jeff, what would you say your expertise is regarding the industrial field? I think the through the benefit of working within the field and, and really seeing a lot of different vertical markets, whether it be food or pharmaceutical, distribution, even some of the different areas of product design and development, um, it's really sort of the big picture and how things fit together. From the time something is an idea, how does it get through the development process, into production, through the supply chain, and into the end user, whatever that may be. And as you guys both know, there's a ton of different factors that can come into play. So I think what I can really lend is a voice to a broad understanding of how all of those different things play a role in the success and unfortunately sometimes the missteps of the play, important players within the industrial sector, whether they be in the development side, production, supply chain, and and so on. So I think that's really where my where I lend the most um, strength for our team. I think our readers are quite interested in the supply chain woes of Tesla right now. Is this something that you have a feel for? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. What's interesting? Well, you know, Elon Musk is, um, yeah, Elon Musk is an interesting guy. Definitely likes to put himself out there. And um, it's been very interesting to see how they've addressed. I mean, their challenges are not unique. Everybody had, goes through some of those bottlenecks and, and things like that. His response to it is much more public because he puts himself out there. So their problems probably are, are a bit blown up more so than they should. But I think for a startup, they've handled things pretty well. It's just the whole overpromise and unfortunately under-delivering in certain places. So what do you think uh, Tesla's going to be in five years? Do you think they'll be around? Do you think they'll be a division of Toyota? Uh, do you think uh, they'll be... 
a piece of some Chinese conglomerate? What do you think is going to happen? Well, that's that's a good question. <laughs> um, well, we you know the big news right now is that his his thoughts about going private were shot down. It's going to stay a publicly funded company, which I think is good for them in the long term. I think over the course of time. I think they have a better chance at surviving at most of the startups just because the name is so prominent. But what I think you're going to see is a, a company that comes into scale. The electric vehicle market is becoming increasingly competitive from some of the big OEMs. The big guys are going to be very involved in the electric vehicle marketplace. So I think what you're going to see is, is Tesla finding their niche and they're going to need to become comfortable in that niche. And if that's not big enough for a guy like Elon Musk, then they could become part of uh, an acquisition without a doubt. I mean, there's some very uh, very sharp minds, obviously, and some very prominent companies that would be more than happy to take a lot of the technology that Tesla has championed mm-hmm. and uh, put it into their own brands as well. My own guess is with all the aggravation uh, that uh, Musk is enduring with Tesla, that he may take a good offer from a company like Toyota, which already has a piece of Tesla, as I understand it. Don't you think that's quite possible? <laughs> that's the interesting thing with it being a publicly you know, owned company. Um, he's got a board that he has to answer to. So I think if that board becomes frustrated with continuing to see these billion dollar losses quarter after quarter, he may not have a choice. Uh, if, it was, if it's completely his decision, no. I don't think Elon Musk wants anybody else managing that company. I think the last thing he would want is for a Toyota or a General Motors or, or a Fiat Chrysler to ever get a hold of it. That may not be his decision at some point. And when you look at the way that they could leverage all of their infrastructure and potentially making Tesla more profitable because he has done such a good job of putting the name out there and making it a household name for electric cars, there's a ton of brand, a ton of value in that brand. So does Musk want it? No. But could it happen? Absolutely. Yes. That's why it strikes me that a company like Toyota, a company like uh, GM, Ford, is tremendous at building cars. And it would be logical for uh, somebody who's real good at building cars uh, (laughs) to take over uh, the Tesla brand, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. But again, one of the things that makes Tesla unique is the operating environment and the fact that a guy like that Musk and, and others there too, it's not like it's a one-man show. But when you look at one of their, their key dynamics right now, which is he just will not give up on this autopilot feature. And even though some of the coverage in terms of some of the, the incidents that have occurred have really been overblown because it is a Tesla, most uh, if that was Toyota, if that was Ford, by now that would be back burner stuff, and he refuses to do that. He's going to keep charging ahead with these new things that he thinks, and he's right in terms of how it'll set his brand apart. But those would be, again, those would be areas that bigger companies are going to be so sensitive to. And when you're looking at changing a paradigm, which is what electric cars really are, they're they're taking a, a really different approach in the terms of the way the the consumer looks to manage their transportation. Um, you have to. Be be bold and you have to get out there and that's where i think in the short term a lot of these oems i think they're sitting back and they're going to let musk take a lot of these bullets for him let him kind of work out the kinks Hmm. and go from there so in the short term i don't think they want to touch him i think they'll let him go but once he gets things rolling a little bit more i think that's when they become a more attractive acquisition target but at the same time they're going to be more expensive and he's going to be more reticent to let go uh, and relinquish control is so electric, it, it'll be an interesting dynamic to watch. Okay, Jeff, is electric the next big thing, 
or is it the next fairly big thing that's going to evolve? Well, I think it's definitely the next big thing, just based on the amount of energy and resources that the, the larger OEs are putting into it. I mean, it's not just Tesla that's looking to make electric cars a household item. It's Toyota, it's um, it's Honda, it's General Motors, it's Ford, Fiat Chrysler, all those folks. Volkswagen is trying to defer as much attention away from their recent diesel emission scandal as possible by touting all the investment mm-hmm. they're putting into electric vehicles. So it is. Now, what's going to be interesting is, <laughs> you know, automotive manufacturers really like to tell consumers what they want. What's going to be interesting is if the automotive consumer is going to say, is going to go along with that. Because there's no doubt in terms of how much the technology is going to improve and how much more vehicles will be out there and how many more options there'll be for electric vehicles. But is the consumer going to go, that's great. I still want to keep my gas using my, my gas fueled vehicle. Or are they going to go along with it? That's this, what I think that's a, that is the $64 question. I mean, if we look at the uh, history of the past 15 years of Prius, it has not become the next big thing. And, and it's a brilliant design. I mean, yeah, it's trending. <laughs> Pardon? Yeah, I mean, it's trending that way. I think the big thing, too, that's going to influence the the level of acceptance or the level of engagement with electric vehicles is the infrastructure. How How... How good of a job and how selfless kind of are other players going to be in terms of putting in charging stations so that if I'm driving from, you know, Chicago to the north woods of Wisconsin and I need to hit two or three charging stations along the way to feel comfortable about that journey, you know, our gas station is going to be cool with that. How is that going to come into play? Because it's great to save that money on gas. It's great to be better for the environment and all that, which there is another argument there. But um, it really is going to come down to a lot of the infrastructure plays as well. Does a person have to get their own charger in their house when they have a Tesla, or can they just plug it into the, the wall? There's a lot of different options. So they're both an option. You can you can go one or two. You can buy a charger to do the fast charging, or you can do the trickle charge, just plug it into a regular outlet. So it's really about how much juice you need and how quickly you need it. Do you know how much one of those fast chargers costs? Somebody was telling me they're really expensive. I think it depends on the model, the rate, some of your home infrastructure, and what your goals are. I, it, it really kind of varies. Okay. And the autonomous car, is it also the next big thing? Or are we going to ease into it? It's hard to say. You know, it depends on who you talk to. Um, I was reading something today. People are saying it's more than a decade away, 15 years away possibly, from a true autonomous vehicle. I think the real opportunity there is not necessarily in the passenger vehicle. I think it's really when you look at um, transportation, supply chain, um, logistics, things like that. When you look at semis um, Mm. and being able to have some autonomous functionality there, it's going to make, it's going to take away a lot of those concerns with on-the-road hours and some of the regulations um, that, are all, that revolve around driver uh, safety. So I think that's the bigger opportunity for autonomous vehicles. I think there's always going to be those early adapters who are interested in that new technology. But when you look at the extra cost that it can add on to a vehicle, the safety concerns, obviously, and, and again, you're looking at a pretty significant paradigm shift, I think it's going to be a very slow evolution towards having vehicles that people really trust in autonomous mode. I tend to agree with you. I think uh, it's a hot topic, but the movement to 
the usage is going to be very tough. It's going to uh, run up against the lawyers. It's going to run up against the city governments. It's going to uh, have a lot of uh, impediments in its way. In the past year, what's the most exciting new product uh, that you've seen, either industrially or in other realms? Sure. You know, I think the two things that stand out to me right now, and it's not brand new, but there's so many crazy things going on with 3D printing right now, just in terms of the materials, I guess. Uh Um, Just some of the cost-effective materials that are now out there from uh, carbon fiber and metal in 3D printing, I think that's really, it's just amazing when you look at the applications and what that could mean into the future for manufacturing with the amount of customization that's allowed and the amount of customization that's being demanded at this point by a lot of people. Um, I think three, some of the evolutions in 3D printing has been pretty amazing. The other thing that really stands out, we were talking about autonomous technology before, is how some of that autonomous technology has been embedded into robotics for use on the plant floor and in the warehouse. Um, those things are just huge time savers. Um, people are concerned in some respects about uh, losing jobs and things like that, but I think the bigger benefit is being able to better use your manpower and just being able to get equipment and supplies where they need to be to get things produced more quickly, which in the end of the day makes the manufacturer more profitable and opens up more opportunities for job creation. Uh, do you think that robotics is going to somehow overcome the tremendous uh, shortage of people in manufacturing? Um, not yet. <laughs> it's, it's trying to. You know, there's there's definitely an opportunity there when you look at the skills gap challenges, but not yet. And there's there's still so many things that you need that, that individual there, that human touch, that personal connection to get things done. So not yet, but I think there is, I think that we're well positioned in the industrial sector to find that perfect balance, so to speak, between the role of robotics and automation and well-trained individuals. Do you think, and this may be a little bit out of your realm, but do you think we're going to see a significant jump in the wage structure in industrial America uh, in the next couple years if the current demand continues? Because it strikes me that there's just no way that uh, people can hire unless they significantly jump the wages. Well, I think yes and no. <laughs> I think there's going to be a significant spike in in what those skilled laborers, those skilled trades bring to the table. Those individuals that you're most definitely going to have to pay at a higher rate than you have in the past. I think we're already seeing that. You know, if you have some work done around your house, most of the um, the cost involves you know plumbers, electricians, and, and contractors, which I think is fantastic. It's about time that those skilled trades are being appreciated at the level that they should have been for a long time. So I think in those areas, I think you're definitely going to see a, a significant uptick in wages. What will be interesting to see then is if there's compensation when you look at assembly work and other things on the plant floor that are a little less specialized. And this will be an opportunity for new technologies, robotics, 3D printing, and various other things to step in to cut costs because it's an unknown whether the consumer will accept price rises and then there's where the tariffs come in (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah it'll be interesting i think you know and that's a that's a bigger 
bigger economical picture type of dynamic, you know. When times are good, it's more about I need this stuff now and less about cost. Cost is always obviously a factor, but the timeliness becomes something that you'll put at a higher priority when things are going well. When things start to downturn a little bit, which, I mean, we live in a wonderful capitalist economy where there's ups and downs, and when those things go down, that's where it's always interesting to see how much consumer behavior has changed. And that consumer isn't just the end user, it's also, you know, within the business-to-business community. So it's, yeah, it's always an interesting dynamic to see how all those things impact each other, including things like tariffs. Do you see the additive manufacturing taking market share out of the traditional CNC lathes, metal cutting machines? I guess what I've seen is more job shops adapting to what their customers want. And if the customer is looking for that type of, of product with that type of material, with, the, with some of the benefits that 3D printing brings, like saving time and cutting weight and things like that, it seems like those job shops are adapting pretty adeptly to bring those types of services either in-house or in working with another job shop that specializes in 3D printing to, to make that happen. I don't think it's going to be a loss of jobs. I think it's a shifting of the tech, how the technology is shifting. That's, no, I, I'm not talking about jobs. I'm talking about replacing certain equipment that they have right now. They'll be, rather than cutting metal, they'll be using additive manufacturing. Okay. Do you think that's going to replace that capacity? I think they're going to, there's going to be a need to. I don't think it's going to replace it because I think, at least not in the near future, I think 3D printing and and a lot of that um, additive manufacturing really is still about smaller runs, smaller pieces. When you're still looking at doing larger quantities, you're still looking at using some of those bigger pieces of equipment. I think what it's going to do is just afford more flexibility. I don't think it's going to take away from anything. Hey, everybody. First, we just want to say thank you to all of the people listening to this podcast. You guys are the hip folks. The early adopters. You make this thing worth doing. But it would be really great if you could subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. And even better, give us a rating. It'll just take a second, and it'll help other people discover it. Talk to you next week.